Welcome to the 17th episode of the Not That Paul AD Show. First show where I actually have some guests on, so I'm doing a little bit of an intro uh, before uh, I go into that because it's going to start right up and I don't want you all to be caught off guard. So um, this is it. This is the first one. I have some actual other people on the show with me. We discuss all sorts of things. It was fun. It was funny. It was intellectual. I think you're going to enjoy this one. I know it's the longest by far, but with two other guests, uh, I could not possibly keep it to 25 minutes. So now you get it for your commute to work and your commute on the way back. Enjoy. So I guess we're recording because I heard your things click. Yeah, so, so that, that works out well. I always have to edit that out at the end of my show because Did I... Did you hear one click or two clicks? <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully I heard two. Well, then that means we're off beat. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. So I'm probably just going to play it like this anyway because I find that it's more organic when I start my podcast mid-conversation. So, oh, okay. Um, Is there no video on this? There, there's no video on my podcast. No, I don't know how. Why do you have your video turned on on Skype? I thought I did. I don't see anyone. Do you see me? I see a picture of you. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm using Skype on the phone, so it's. Um, oh, how fancy of you. Uh huh. Yeah. Wait, how are you? I, I don't oh. have an internet connection. Okay, that's good. That's good. So, um, uh, I have my first guests on the show. For the, I guess Andy from Australia was really my first guest, but he was just a quick interview. I guess you guys are officially the first guests. So I have uh, uh, two guys that I started working with uh, almost five years ago now at this point, coming up on five years soon. And uh, we have since traveled to different areas of the world, and some of us have reunited. Uh, however, some are in a faraway land. So uh, Ray, who is... Uh, 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 adverse, I guess, to coming Hello. to, New, to, to New Jersey. Right here <laughs> is af- afraid of coming to New Jersey. Uh-huh. So wouldn't come to my apartment and do the show. So instead, we're doing it over Skype. Um, <laughs> and Spon- sponsor for Skype. Yeah, I guess right. I can't really blame him for not coming to New Jersey, though. But it's a it's a, a ten minute train ride from the city, especially yeah, from where he is. You lose more in life than you do in time going uh-huh. there. I suppose. And uh, Baron, who is uh, in the past, uh, you know, when we spoke to Andy, he was in the future. Baron is in the past. Uh, That's right. What time is it there? It is 2.58, 3 o'clock. 2.58. So Baron's in Hawaii. In Honolulu, right? Yeah. Capital of Hawaii. So just a quick backstory on Baron. Um, he uh, had something he had to send me. He bought me something. He, he was actually given a, a T-shirt he had to send me. And uh, the, he, was given, <laughs> he was given that shirt, I believe it was about 14 months ago. And it actually arrived in the mail today. So uh, thank you for finally it's following through. It's snail mail. <laughs> I guess when it's coming from Hawaii, though, I can't blame it. Uh, so Baron's real name is actually Baron John, right? Is that That's okay to fair. say? Um, and I know that you've always tried to get people to call you Baron John, and I think you've done successfully so. Uh, however, I can't do it for some reason. I don't know why. You know, I have this thing where the people who are who are closest to me, I'm usually okay with them calling calling me Baron. And you are one of those people, so it's, it's totally fine. 
All right, but if it's a, just a work acquaintance, they have to call you Baron John. Everyone outside of you, Ray, a couple of people, and my wife calls me Baron John. Yeah, so your wife calls you Baron? Yeah, she calls me whatever she wants. Yeah. Sometimes she just calls me, get over here. <laughs> oh, this is wonderful, good content. So um, really, I guess the inspiration to have guests was to have uh, Baron on first, um, but in my last podcast, I had opened it up for feedback to see if I should have guests, and somebody also suggests that I have Ray on. So uh, <laughs> Ray, who's afraid of New Jersey, is on with us as well. Here, yep, here, here I am. <laughs> and uh, that feedback actually came all the way from England. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about sharing the stage with Ray Garcia, but we'll see how it works out. It's very exciting. So. Um, so just let's get into the, the then uh Baron you started a a challenge what about 4 months ago now? Yeah, about 3 and a half months. So I talked about it on my show at some point or another. Uh but Baron's uh, website is zero to fluent in 90 days.com. Do you have zero the number N Z E R O? To like the uh, the earls? Yeah. Yeah, I have them all. Oh, of course you do. Um, so you can find him there, zerotofluent90days.com. And what, what the general idea was for you to learn Chinese in three months, right? Yeah. Uh, it pretty much started off as a challenge where, you know, I had this guy who is learning Chinese, and he's been learning it for a couple of years. And every single day that I see this guy, he is always complaining about how hard Chinese is. But I never hear him say anything in Chinese. So one day I was just like, you know what, you are just complaining. Chinese can't be that hard. I bet you I could learn it in three months. And, you know, it, it wasn't meant to be serious. But <laughs> after he got upset and offended, you know, and there was so many people around, like the break table, that, you know, I couldn't let, my pride couldn't let me back down. So that's kind of how I got started. So um, before that, had you ever taken any classes in Chinese or anything like that? You know, I never took any classes in Chinese. I thought about taking some classes um, once or twice in the past, but I never had. And Ray, do you speak any Chinese? Uh, I speak English. <laughs> just English? <laughs> just, just, just English. Are you fluent or? Uh, fluent in English. Um, I <laughs> took six years of high school Spanish. Um, currently, uh, don't remember any of it. Because well, you are Spanish, right? Ray Garcia, right? Yeah, it's actually pronounced Garsha, Ray Garsha. Um, G-A-R-C-I-A is pronounced Garsha. Um, let's, let's finish your story, and uh, I'll let you know how uh, I determined my heritage um, after that. <laughs> oh, I, I actually know, <laughs> I know quite a bit about that story. <laughs> so uh, we also didn't prepare for this at all, so uh, that is news to me as well. Um, so you decided to learn Chinese. You hadn't learned Chinese ever before. You thought about it. Uh, kind of said something jokingly that any of us would say uh, just to kind of be a guy about it. Uh, but you followed through with it. Yeah. So uh, what's step one? So um, I took about a week to kind of like look, look around the Internet to kind of figure out what the best resources were. And, you know, and I realized that I couldn't do any of the traditional things because that would take five, six, seven years. So I think step one is just kind of finding all the different resources that you think you're going to need to, to use to learn this language as quickly as possible, you know, and getting rid of all the traditional resources. Anything that people normally do to learn a language, you automatically know that you can't use that because it's going to take too long. So then why is it still taught? Like, like Ray, I mean, I took 
uh, I think five years of Spanish in high school. And then, you know, I've talked about it before. I was working in Miami where it was a highly Spanish community and there was plenty of opportunity for me to speak Spanish, but I, I got nothing. I mean, I kind of vaguely remember it when I hear it, but I, you know, I went to a, a decent school, I suppose, and learned no Spanish throughout that time. I guess I wasn't really focused on learning it, but why is it such a, a terrible way to teach a language? Uh, because, I mean, the normal ways of learning a language, the reason that it's, it's such a terrible, terrible way is because, um, you know, humanity is such so results-driven, you know, and just like anyone, if you can't see results out of something that you've invested hours of your life into, eventually you're going to lose the motivation to do it. So, you know, you're taking a class. You may take three, four semesters of a Spanish class, and you leave only being able to say what your name is. And, you know, it just at the end of the day, for most people, if you're like me, it doesn't seem like something that's worth your investment. So I, that's why I think it. That's why I think it's such a horrible way of learning. It's just the time that you put in doesn't really produce anything um, usable. So I think this analogy is not too far off because uh, the brain. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the brain is a muscle. Yes. No. Like no. Girl, no. My girlfriend shaking works, her head. It works like a muscle, but yeah. So that that's my idea, right? Like somebody goes to the gym. Something that I've also tried to do here and there. And if I don't see a result <laughs> immediately, I just stop. Because exactly. what's the point of going to the gym if I don't see a result? And I'm, I'm very much the type of person that needs instant gratification. Exactly. So how do you find that instant gratification in something as complicating as learning Chinese? Well, I think what happens is um, there's a couple of things that, um, and there's a couple of things that you do. And I think what I started doing is I just started using Skype to talk to as many people in China as I possibly can. I mean, I guess that's the great thing about this, the year that we live in is that you can kind of reach across the world instantly. And so uh, what I would do is, um, is I would, I would pull up a Skype session and I would say to someone, Hey, you know, hello, my name is Baron John. You know, I'm learning Chinese. And, you know, there's so many people in China who want to practice English that is, I never had a problem finding someone to talk to. So what I would do is I would just be talking to this person about anything that, you know, I would normally talk about. And I would say, Hey, you know, you know, hey, this new cell phone just came out. You know, I'm thinking about buying it. And then I would say, how do I say that in Chinese? And they would tell me how to say it in Chinese. I would write it down, you know, and I would have a conversation like this back and forth for like 20, 30 minutes, practicing, laughing at myself for saying it wrong. And then the next day, I would talk to someone completely different in Chinese. And I would use the phrases that I learned before. And the second that they understood me, the second that they understood what I said, um, was instant gratification for me, um, not only because I had just learned it the day before, um, but also because it was something that I wanted to talk about. It wasn't, hello, my name is this. It was, hey, you know, this new cell phone came out and I really like it, you know. And so because it was something that I wanted to talk about, I felt instant gratification like that. Got it. So, but do you find, like, when I've traveled, I've, I haven't traveled a lot, but I, I traveled to Europe and I've traveled to, to Mexico a few different times, and I always find that uh, people that speak multiple languages, it's much more common, uh, specifically with English, right? I, I suppose English is a pretty important language for people to know. So did you find that their English was much better than your Chinese? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, everywhere you go, um, I mean, you hit it right on the head. Everywhere you go, people are constantly trying to learn multiple languages and not just English. I mean, English is definitely one that people are trying to learn. But you can go to Africa and find people who speak French. 
you know. Um, and so the world is constantly raising their children and raising their families to learn multiple languages. Um, America is one of the few countries that, you know, that doesn't do that for better or worse, you know, whatever. So um, in most places, you know, even when I start talking to someone, they were like, oh, my English is really bad. And they're speaking just as good or better than some of the people I know, you know, in my neighborhood. So, yeah, the Chinese, the Chinese, their English is always better than my Chinese. So you get through 90 days. You know, I, I followed you on your blog and some of the interesting things I saw, like you read Harry Potter in Chinese or you tried to, right? Yeah, I did. I'm still working on that, actually. Um, I, I got about in, in the period of when I was working on it, you know, I got about halfway through the book because I, was, I, was, I had a specific goal out of it. But yes. That was just to compare context because you knew the story. Exactly. I was trying to get um, I was trying to find a better way of solidifying grammar. You know, uh, without having to study it, you know, rotely, you know, and reading something in any language is the best, in my opinion. You know, um, when I when I went when I in, in college, I was on the debate team. And um, one of the rules of the debate team was that you had to read voraciously because, you know, reading is one of the best ways to improve your language skills. So I kind of took that upon myself in Chinese. Got it. So 90 days is up. <clears throat> You've completed your challenge, if you will. How do you validate whether or not you've been successful? Ah, good point. So, you know, in the very beginning, you know, um, you know, there's so many different uh, definitions of fluent when you when you talk to someone about learning a language. So, you know, in the beginning, one of my first things was like, you know, I want to have a specific definition of fluency. And, you know, and I looked it up in a dictionary, and, you know, and fluent, um, to my surprise, wasn't anything about being able to speak like a native speaker. In fact, the word native speaker doesn't even appear in any definition of fluency. Um, and so fluent really meant being able to um, um, easily and almost effortlessly um, talk about a conversation. I mean, speak, speak about different topics. So my definition of fluency was along that lines, um, modified to, to the way where I said, you know, I just want to be able to talk about the same kind of things that I talk about in, in English. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to speak without an accent, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to know every single word in Chinese, but it means that I'm going to be able to have a conversation without the native speaker having to, you know, um, slow down too much for my, or repeat too much for my sake. And so the only way to validate that is through, you know, um, putting yourself on the internet and letting as many people as you possibly can see you speak, and, um, and just letting the, letting the world be the judge of that. So where'd you land? Did you, did you succeed in becoming fluent based on the definition you set out to, to achieve? No, I, I didn't, I didn't reach that. I didn't reach that. And I think, um, I think if I had to put myself like percentage wise on how close I got, I would say that I got about 70% as far as I wanted to go. And I guess a better, a lot way that I kind of tell people about it when I, when I got to the 90 days, I think I was speaking similarly to what a fifth or sixth grader would speak in, in your native tongue. So like if you imagine an English speaker in the fifth or sixth grade and how they spoke, that's how I imagine myself speaking in Chinese. So um, I could have a conversation on any given day with any given Chinese speaker about almost anything, um, but at a very elementary level, um, which I was completely satisfied with, you know, because I use it every day now. At, at work or I guess in Hawaii, is there a, a Chinese speaking population? 
Um, China, uh, Hawaii is very, um, very large um, Asian population, although most of it is Japanese. Um, but I use it at work every day, and I also live right around the corner from Chinatown. So, um, in addition to using it in those places, I also, um, you know, talk to people that I met during the challenge on Skype every day. I, I would say uh, about two hours of my daily uh, life is spent in Chinese, uh, physically speaking. So you're still practicing it. Are you still taking the same approach that you took through the first 90 days? Um, the only difference that I'm doing now is uh, I'm reading um, a lot more. I'm doing. I'm focusing more on reading because I know that's a great way of like improving vocabulary. Um, but outside of that, I'm really taking the same approach. All right. So since this is uh, officially marking the most intellectual episode of this show ever, <laughs> I'll ask you uh, one one question, and then we can move on to uh, Ray's DNA. The, uh, uh, the less intellectual part. <laughs> I didn't say it. I mean, you said it. Uh, okay, keep going. <laughs> so uh, learning a language is, is not something that's new, and it's definitely something that's desirable. Every day I ride the subway, I see a, uh, a billboard for a learning school, or you know, Rosetta Stone commercials are on all the time, and there's websites that claim basically you can learn anything in, in all sorts of different periods of time. If you had to give... Uh, somebody who's listening advice on how to learn a language quickly what's the what's the 15 second pitch you'd give me your elevator pitch um i don't know if, so i mean motivation <laughs> is definitely the biggest thing apart biggest part of it you know if you if you're not motivated about it then as soon as you hit a hard part you're just going to stop but the the biggest thing that i can tell you to do um to speak a language is that you need to just get over the embarrassment and use it every single day even if you sound like a complete idiot, even if you don't know all the words, you just say whatever you need to say or whatever you can say to a native speaker every day. And, you know, you'll be you'll be very far in no time. And, you know, and that's what I really did with um, Zero to Fluent. Um, I think I studied Spanish off and on for 14 years. My wife is Spanish and um, and I speak more Chinese than I do Spanish. And, and that's as a result of me just speaking every day, where with Spanish, I would always tell myself, oh, as soon as I know more, I will speak. As soon as I know more, I will speak. You just got to get over that and just talk. Mm, makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, so everyone, that's more what? than 15 seconds. Yeah, I, knew, I was, I I was, was going to say, say that. It was about a minute. I watched it. <laughs> I, I knew he was going to say that. Um, but there's a lot more information on Barron's journey at zero to fluent in 90 dayscom uh, Videos of Barron's uh, Skype sessions with some of the people he chatted with and uh, I guess it's kind of the journal of your uh, your experience. So check it out, yeah. zero to fluent ninety days dot com. You can also buy the book available. I'm just kidding. There's no book. Well, I was gonna say what book? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. And I, if you sold a book and you charged ten dollars for it, and only a million people bought it, imagine what that would do. <laughs> well, I could tell, I could tell you that uh, <laughs> since I started the whole journey, I've had like almost. 25,000 people view my website. So if each one of those bought it, then I would be in good shape. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a, a, an approach that many people take and, and never succeed with, I think. Yeah. But there's uh, no... <laughs> so, so, Ray, uh, speak, you don't, don't speak Chinese. Don't speak nope, Spanish. Nope, nope. Um, in fact, uh, I remember having the conversation with you. Uh, you didn't exactly understand uh, your heritage. Uh, for example, I could tell you I'm half Italian and half Irish, and you were curious to to really understand uh, the details, right? 
yeah, you got it. I mean, it, it was a little bit of ribbing from you, a little bit of ribbing from some friends about exactly uh, what does Garcia mean, or, or, or Garcia, as I uh, like to call it. Um, is it from Mexico? Is it from Spain? Is it from wherever? Um, and I really just grew up, um, you know, I just grew up with mom. So uh, never, never really fully uh, understood my uh, Spanish or Hispanic uh, heritage. Um, so, yeah, I was I was a little curious. Yeah. And I, I actually um, I, I remember this this particular story quite well, because I, I play an interesting part in this story. Sure do. <laughs> um, probably the first and last time I will do what I did, um, I think. Um, so you, you decide you want to get some information, and of course, uh, knowing you, you find some crazy solution for it. Oh, you, you, you got it. You got it. I, I Google it, uh, and I find this great website. It's called 23andme.com. The number 23 in me, something to do with the chromosomes. Um, and, you know, it, it wasn't cheap. Um, uh, I, I paid a few hundred dollars um, to this website. Um, it, it was very new at that point. Um, I yeah, believe I it was a scam. Yeah, I, I believe it, it was from the co founders of, of Twitter or Google or. or the co founders like of Twitter have their hands in everything, I think. Yeah, so I, I think it's, it's probably that, the co founders of Twitter. So I said, hey, you know, what the hell? Uh, you know, here's my credit card. Here's a couple hundred bucks. And uh, about a week later, I got a nice package in the mail. Um, it was a green box, and inside that green box was a uh, tube that uh, was maybe three or four inches long, your regular test tube, um, and a cover and some instructions. Um, the instructions were in pictures, um, uh, basically a person uh, spitting into the tube uh, and filling the tube up uh, two-thirds of the way with saliva. Um, I did that. Uh, it didn't take very long. Uh, I, I, I put the cover uh, on top of the test tube, um, and then I got to the next step, and it told me to put it in this prepaid mailing envelope. Um, but there were some uh, restrictions, um, and I, I think this is where you came in. Yeah, so uh, if I remember correctly, at this time you lived in uh, New York. You got it. Yeah, I guess you still do. Um, yep. And I, uh, if I remember, the, it was illegal to mail bodily fluids um, <laughs> in, in New York. Um, however, it was legal to mail bodily fluids in New Jersey. You, you, you got it. You got it. Uh, they specifically said when uh, I requested the envelope, when I requested, requested the test tube, um, that I could not mail it from New York. You're right. It's against the law to mail bodily fluids in the Postal Service from uh, New York, or at least it was at the time. I'm not sure if it still is. Yeah, so I end up with this envelope of of Ray's saliva, which I probably could have done something. I probably, I guess, I could have cloned that's, you, right? That's the real question. How sure are we that Paul didn't do anything to the DNA? That's, that's true. I mean, it it could be. So you know, the idea is you mail the thing in, right, and it, and it sends you back like an email, or would you get like a package in the mail or something? Well, no, no, no. Everything is everything is online. Um, what's great about this site? Well, first of all, they get your saliva. They analyze it. Uh, I really couldn't tell you 
what science they do to my saliva. Um, however, it gives you a few pieces of information. The first piece is um, where people with similar saliva or uh, <laughs> similar chromosomes. Probably DNA. It's probably similar, similar DNA. DNA. <laughs> uh, where they are from. So uh, it turns out, uh, as I pretty much expected, uh, that uh, the majority of, of people that have similar saliva or similar DNA are from uh, southern, uh, southern Europe. Okay. Uh, you know, so from, from Spain, um, which, is, which, is pretty much, which is pretty much what I thought. Okay, so it turns out you are in fact Spanish, basically. You got it. You got it. Um, you know, so that that's that's the that's the DNA part. Um, now, I think I remember you telling everyone that you weren't Spanish. So was that a lie? Well, I don't know. Um, I I always <laughs> when people ask me, uh, you know, what heritage I am, you know, what box do I check off when I apply for my driver's license? What box did I check off when I applied on my college application? And it was. Uh, you know, it was uh, if there was an American box, I checked that, um, or uh, I, I think Caucasian. No, that's Caucasian. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I rarely checked the Spanish box because honestly, I wasn't too sure. You know, I, I wasn't didn't want to check off. You know, and give out information that I really had no idea um, about. So I'm a, I'm a little more prone to do it now. Um, how, now that I have more. How often does that come up? Um, I don't know. I don't know. You fill out these applications and they're like, what is your ethnicity? What is your race? All that stuff. Yeah, I guess. Uh. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I had to uh, self-identify my race or my ethnic. I don't think I've ever in my life had to fill out something that said I'm half Italian and half Irish. Yeah, but you get those things where, you know, it says American or it says Hispanic, but yeah, and then it yeah. says other. Yeah, but isn't that always just race? Isn't it just Caucasian? I think, uh, and then Native Americans always a choice on there, or like I don't want to tell you. I, I never understood that one. People are afraid to say, but I, I think it's I think it's more about jeez, uh, how, how do you say this the right way? More about being uh, politically correct at a college and making sure you have. Uh, people from all these different countries. Uh, maybe there's a quota. Maybe there's not. Um, yeah. Demographics. Yeah, and it's still that belief at some places that decisions are made based on that box. So that's Demo- why some people put down. Let me tell you. Yeah, demographics. I think that's yeah. what you're trying to say. You know, so there was also a second part uh, to this uh, DNA. Um, so DNA, as uh, as we know, doesn't just tell about. Um, ethnicity. Oh, that's my phone ringing. Do you have a regular phone? Uh, oh my nope. god! I, I haven't heard one of those in like seven years. Well, funny story. I'm actually living in my grandparents uh, right now, and they they have a regular phone. Oh, there it is again. <laughs> All right. What are you just picking up and hanging up? Yeah, but and then I realized after I I actually took it off the hook. Uh, um, sure, and, so they could still hear you and put it down. Yeah, and, and they yeah. absolutely still heard what I what I was talking about. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so let's let's see if they get the idea and and, and stop calling. Uh, but what I was getting at is actually a second part. Um, it actually tells me, uh, or or the the primary part about DNA is about traits. You know, am I uh, prone to baldness? Am I prone to? Uh, I think one of them was like wet earwax. Am I, you know, <laughs> prone to? Uh, Whatever, um, 
you know, in addition to uh, prone to different types of diseases. You know, so it was very, it was very educational. It was very interesting to read. Um, I, I'm proud to report I'm not prone to uh, any type of rare diseases. Um, but are you prone to baldness? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I, have, I always keep my hair pretty short. Um, not genetically, at least. No, yeah, not, <laughs> not genetically. Not, not genetically at all. Uh, but well, I, it will was, you, I will tell you that on 23andMe.com, the price has dropped to $99, so you kind of got – you overpaid. Yeah, I, I, was a, I was an early adopter. I'm, um, I'm always an early adopter. Yeah. Well, that was, what, four years ago? Yeah, yeah. Just about. Yeah. Well. But, it, I mean, would I do it again? Sure, I, I'd do it again. I mean, it, it was interesting. You know, Paul, I'll send you uh, some screenshots of what uh, the website looks like. Maybe you can throw it up on your website so people can uh, take a look. Yeah, because it would be impossible for me to go to the website and just do that myself. Yeah. <laughs> also, no free, no free advertising. I'll put it up there. For yeah, right? What is this? I, I, so far, I've been advertising Skype, Baron, Harry Potter. Listen, this twenty-three and me thing. thing is going to happen to you. Long. Yeah, all right. We'll see. Maybe you can purchase it through Amazon.com. Yeah, if you do, if you want to purchase anything through Amazon.com, including Harry Potter in Chinese, just go to notthatpolyd.com slash offers. Uh, and I get a uh, marginal, as insignificant as possible percentage of that, and it costs you nothing extra. So it's a do nice any, way to support the podcast. Uh, do you have any uh, metrics on that? Any, oh, anyone yeah. take advantage? Oh, sure. I've had four clicks, uh-huh. and, and I have so far earned $2. Oh. So not bad. Not bad. Two bucks. That, uh, that covers uh, just under what it costs me to run this every month, which is $10 a month. So... Uh, I'm I'm almost there, a fifth of the way there. Um, so, uh, have you seen uh, on the on the thread of the DNA thing? Have you seen those? And I and I've seen this on Groupon, I think, and I've seen it just on different websites where you can submit your DNA. I'm sure it's the same thing, like a saliva thing, or maybe your hair. I don't know, but uh, they will. I guess uh, there's a spectrograph or something. There's some way to display your DNA, and and you can get it as artwork. Have you seen that? Yeah, I think I've seen something like that. I don't know what the website is for that one, but I suppose there's no reason to plug anyone else. But they had, uh, they've got sure. that, and then they've got um, you can you can send in your fingerprint, and they'll they'll blow up your fingerprint and make it like this massive thing, and it's it's an art piece, I guess, which is kind of cool. Oh, okay, here it is, DNA11.com. Again, I don't know the numbers. Oh, and turns out you can uh, apparently also submit a uh, picture of. You kissing something, and your lips can be art. Yeah, so, because doesn't your lip print have? Isn't that just as unique as your fingerprint? I believe may, it is. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it is. No way. Absolutely. It definitely. Definitely is. You're gonna doubt me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know. You, you can research that. Research that while we're uh, while we're going on here. There's no need to research it. I've said it, and so the universe <laughs> has made it so. Baron has a uh, a theory that. Yeah, even if he's wrong in that moment, the universe will correct itself. Hey, I would say that this theory has been been justified so many times. I think I think the most famous case is that we had a situation where I was working at the store and the gate was broken. The gate was broken and it wouldn't it wouldn't go up, it wouldn't come down. I can't remember what it was. And Paul was trying to be sarcastic and he sent me a text <laughs> message saying 
Now, this is after I had been waiting for this gate repairman to show up for like an hour. So Paul sends this text message saying, can't you just say that the gate is working and the universe will correct it? And within <laughs> 20 seconds, I had sent him a video of the gate working. So that's more me correcting it then? No, no, because it didn't work until I said it. Oh, okay. So um, just, just for the record, it turns out you, <laughs> you are correct. Of course um, I, <laughs> let, I may not have been correct before I said it. It's true. I Googled it after you said it. But as soon as I said it, it became correct. Although it seems like this article was posted in 2001. The universe works that way. It substantiates <laughs> me backwards and forwards. So uh, there's actually a study of lip prints, and it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this. It's uh, chiloscopy or something, chilioscopy, whatever it is. It is unique for each human being. Um, and it is a helpful in forensic investigation that deals with the identification <laughs> of humans based on lip traces. Ah, nice. Look at that. So, uh, yeah, so you can also get a unique uh, lip print. So I guess that's the thing, right? It's unique DNA and fingerprints and lip prints. And, and saliva. And saliva. Of course, it all comes back to saliva. But if you're in New York and would like to do it, I, uh, I have a service. I charge for this service to mail <laughs> saliva from New Jersey for you. I'm sure this is illegal. I'm sure I can't say that, but that's okay. It's theater no, of the mind. <laughs> um, so the, the one other thing I wanted to talk about... Uh, so we're in this time where uh, it's the Oscar season, right? And um, I've never been a big movie person, and I would say that the two of you are probably pretty big movie people. Would would you agree with that? Definitely. Easily one or two movies a week. Yeah, by, by yourself, right? Uh, I go with <laughs> friends. Okay, you know, but uh, normally uh, people don't want to see the movies I want to see. And you're not yeah. opposed to going by yourself? Oh no, not at all. Yeah. When yeah. I was in New York, I think Ray and I went to the movie every week. Every week? Probably. Would you say that, Ray? Yeah, e- easily. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and um, see, I've always had this rule where, and this rule has changed, but I've always had a rule where if it requires a ticket, it's not socially acceptable to go by yourself. And I remember, um, and I, that's a very specific rule, I know, but I remember when I went away for training, um, when I started, and um, I was at a hotel, and I was staying by myself, and I had nothing to do, so I went and saw a couple movies. And after that, I was fine. Um, and in fact, I actually saw a couple hockey games that week, too, which again require tickets, and you go by yourself. And uh, ever since then, I've had no issue. So now I go to things by myself all the time. Yeah, I could think of at least 10 things that you do with the ticket without going, without going somewhere. So. Yeah, I can only think of two. <laughs> Get on a plane. Oh, all right, fine. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. Now you're gonna go that route of transportation. I could, but I'm not. <laughs> you could. Well, there's a bus and there's a train and That's there's a, a lot boat. Of things right? with tickets. Yeah. It's true. There are a lot of things with tickets, and I have been riding a lot of things with tickets between ferries and subways and trains lately. So, exactly. you know what I heard on the subway today? You well, know how uh, if you've ever been in New York uh, in the subway, kind of the, the moment you know it's about to leave is it, it like has this chime. It's like ding, ding. And then it says, stand clear of the closing doors. Right. Right. And then the doors close and the train departs or the subway, whatever. I guess it's the train. So today and what will happen, right? Of course, it's not going to close if someone's in between it, it. If it hits them, it reopens again. So today, I guess somebody was trying to either. Uh, you know, squeeze in or or pull the door apart or something. I didn't see this person. It must have been in another car. But I just heard the conductor or the engineer, I don't know what they're called, 
get on the uh, the PA and go, you're not that skinny. Stay clear <laughs> of the doors. <laughs> and then everyone just stopped and started laughing and the doors closed and then the train went off. Oh, my God. And I'm I was thinking, like, oh, what a horrible thing to say. And, and it, you, there's no way he could get away with that. But at the same time, he's definitely going to get away with that. Of course Because there's no way for him to get caught. Of course he is. And even, you know, I would, if that would happen to me, which I've never had a problem with being overweight, um, I would be almost too embarrassed to, to even complain about it. Yeah, I guess. But you know how some people can get. Yeah. I, I'm sure that I'm sure she went somewhere and I'm sure that the people she was complaining to couldn't care less, too. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. So I, I actually thought it was kind of funny, but and it was a packed train, too. So she was probably or he. I don't know why I'm saying she. That's kind of presumptuous. But uh the person who was just trying to squeeze on, and, and I guess it wasn't working out for them. Um, so anyway, with the, with the movie thing, Ray, you texted me. We have this, uh, Ray, Baron, and I have been on a group text for, I think, as long as anybody in the world has. We're pretty convinced, actually, it's a, it's a Guinness World Record, and we will validate that someday, and we'll be in the Guinness Book. Uh, it would just take us a long time to pull together that thread. But yeah. I, I would say there's probably... A average of twenty to thirty messages a day at minimum, yeah. Uh, at minimum, at minimum, or I would say closer to a hundred. Yeah, I think on our, uh, yeah, I think on our, on our, on our least active days, it's at least twenty. Yeah, and it's every day. It's been since '09, I think. Yeah, I think September yeah, it, of two thousand and nine. And I don't think it didn't start off like with any intent of being like the longest. Um, the longest thread ever. I think we just started off, and then I don't remember who first said it, but someone said it like a year or so ago. We're like, you know, this has to be the longest running thread. It has well, to be. There's no other. Yeah, there's no way. It was new, right? It was it was something that was new. It was new technology, and we were, we were just like Ray said. Ray's an early adopter. I think Baron and I are too. And yeah. it was just something we were playing around with and seeing how it worked, just so we could play around with it. And it just kind of stuck. I think it was, you know, I moved. So it was a way for us to communicate. Yep. And yep. then, uh, you know, you moved and it was a way to stay in touch and all that. So, um, you know, it's allowed us to stay in touch. And it's, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely it's, a world record. Yeah, we, start, we started day one when the, when the group messaging came out. And I think, you know, you know, the great thing about it is I think since we've all moved to different places and, you know, and we do very similar things um, for work, um, it's gotten to the point now, and this is the most useful thing of it, that somebody on any given day will usually ask a question, and that's usually somebody there to respond. And yeah. so it's a, it's, a, it's a great resource outside the fact that it's just handy. Yeah, you know? a good way to stay in touch. And there'll be days you're, you're away from your phone or, or hours you're away from your phone. You'll come back. And you'll 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 be waiting to a uh, hundred new text messages yeah. uh, to to read. Yeah, because yeah. well, if, if I want to talk to Ray, I won't just text Ray. I'll right. text the group, and uh, oftentimes Baron will chime in on something or or, or vice versa. And uh, yeah, it, I have definitely been away from my phone for a little while and come back to you know seventy seven messages or something like that for an hour and a half or whatever it may be. You know, just a constant conversation. Yeah, but, and sometimes intentionally, like when it, you know when Paul is doing one of his globe trotting thing, where you know he's always on the plane somewhere. Whenever Paul gets on the plane, Ray and I always intentionally text more. 
you know, we're always trying to make them come home to like 200 or so test messages. Test messages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure that it's gotten to 200. Like, yeah. I, I think uh, I went on a cruise last year, and I think that that was one of those times where yeah. you guys had a week to, to do that. Um, so anyway, back to the texting thing. Ray sends me a text the other night, and I think this is something you guys have done. I've never participated. But it's a local movie theater, and they've got, I guess there's, there's what, eight pictures this year? Eight? Uh, nine Best Picture nominees. So nine Best Picture nominees, and they play them back to back to back, right? Well, uh, they, they give you two different options. Um, in the major cities, um, in your New Yorks and your Chicagos and your Miamis, um, unfortunately not in Honolulu, uh, but in your, in your other major cities, um, they give you the option of watching all nine movies uh, for $60 back-to-back-to-back um, to back to back over a 24-hour period. Um, in smaller cities, in, in most cities, they actually break it up over two weekends, um, two Saturdays, um, five movies on one day, four movies on the next day, um, and it's 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 a lot of movies. Yeah, that is a lot of movies. I mean, nine movies in twenty. And you've done the straight back to back one. I've done. Uh, I think we. I think the one we did that year there was actually twelve uh, nominees, so we did six movies um, on one Saturday. Yeah, that's. I think we intense. had planned originally. Didn't we plan originally to see all twelve or no? I can't remember. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I think I think we needed to do six first um, and build up our tolerance. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm uh, I think where you're getting at, Paul, is I actually sent you a message with a link. Hey, Paul, you know, AMC movies, you know, 24 hours of movies you in and uh, you weren't too enthusiastic, to say the least. No, I believe I just wrote back a single uh, word and it was just no. <laughs> well, I, you know, Paul, I, I like movies I, I enjoy watching movies uh, I don't get to the movies all that often Because I guess it's just Not something I enjoy enough to make it a priority But I couldn't imagine Especially nine movies And I'm looking at the list I know that a couple of these movies are at least two hours yeah. it, that's, It's a solid full day The last time I did anything that long I drove all the way across the country I had yeah. something to uh, accomplish. I don't know if I well, could do you, it to see movies. Well, you know, Paul, I will say I mean, a couple of arguments to do something like this um, is, you know, first, I mean, you're not just seeing any movies. You're seeing the best movies of the year. And I remember when I went, you know, I left the movie theater that night, like, incredibly satisfied because they were all really good movies. And, you know, you had the movies that everyone knew about, I think, when we went that day, like Social Network. One that was like big that year, um, but you also have movies that I had never heard of that was really really good. So I mean, it it ends up being a really really great experience. Yeah, but uh, so on that token, right? So here's here's the movies this year, right? Uh, I'll go in in order of the ones I've heard of to the ones I haven't heard of. So uh, Lincoln, obviously, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, which is coming out now. I've heard of that one. Les Mis, obviously. Uh, that Silver Linings Playbook one, um, Django Unchained, which is just out now, Argo, I know that one, and Life of Pi. So I actually know seven of these nine movies. Yeah. The other two, uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Oh, I heard a lot of good Never, things. never heard of it. No, and Amour, M-A-M-O-U-R. Never heard of either of those. And... I don't know. You know, those are like the eighth and ninth movies that uh, that they're going to show. Yeah, maybe, but those will probably be the ones that win. It's always those weird ones that win. 
Yeah, because it's movie critics. Yeah, I guess. So that's my point, right? So you said that it's 9 or 10 or 12 of the best movies. But yeah. who's deciding that they're the best movies? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's that. But, I mean, I, from that point of view, you know, when I saw them, there were great movies. I mean, there was one that wasn't that good. And, then, you know, this is the thing that I do with a lot of things I do, which is that, you know, two years from now, you won't remember the sleep that you lost that day. You know, so everything that you pay, the pain that you got to go through to sit there for 10 hours, you won't remember that two years from now. But you will remember the the experience of going there. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I would even say you won't remember it two weeks from then. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if I could sit and watch all those movies. Like, I want to see a handful of them. I actually want to see probably those seven that I just read because I have heard good things about them. But I'd much rather do that on uh, different nights. True. I don't know True. if I want to. And that's the other thing. I don't feel like I could appreciate the movie as much if I'm you know, eight hours into a, a movie epic journey. But, uh, but yeah. So then the other thing I thought about, though, is that there's never a comedy on these, on these best pictures. Have you ever noticed that? I don't know. Maybe there has been. But it doesn't seem like there really is this year. Is that, a, is that a different category, like best comedy picture? Does it have to be a drama or have to be a musical? Um, I know the Golden Globes, those were the other night. Um, the Golden Globes, maybe? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, and yeah. They, those, are, those are split up um, by different genre. Yeah, but don't they still have a best picture? Like, everyone wants to win best picture. That's the idea. Right. And um, if, I think if it's hard for comedy to win, you know... Uh, a best picture. Is it because of the movie snobs? Uh, do the I mean, like do the critics not respect it as much? I, I don't know. I think. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I would be guessing, you know. But I think you know when you look at best pictures, you look at movies that usually sit with you for a long time. That you know have some kind of either cultural or you know some kind of time relevant situation with them, and those are the ones that usually win. Comedies are don't usually fall into that respect unless it's like the satire, satire or something like that. Or the Did ones they, that are timeless, I guess, in the same regard, right? If you think of Lincoln, there's nothing really relevant about Lincoln. True, true. Yeah. Did, did the movie Wally uh, get nominated for Best Picture a few years back? I, it got a lot of stuff for, for music because I remember they had, they had some songs from it that, truthfully, I didn't even know were songs from the movie. But I think John Legend was pretty involved in that, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and just as a FYI, the only comedies that have ever won Best Picture uh, are from 1934, 1938, 44, 63, 73, and 77. So it's been almost, it's been 40 years almost, 35 years. If you don't know how to count, yes. Yeah, I'll call it 35. Okay. <laughs> Which, by the way, I want to go ahead and put that I am the best Googler in the country. Yeah, and Wally has not won anything, just for the record. Yeah. Yeah, or at least for... Uh, Best picture, obviously. But if you think about it, those movies probably weren't even that funny. I'm sure comedies in the 30s weren't that great. No, I, I haven't even heard of any of these movies. So, See, the way I determine if a movie is good or not is Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, no. I mean, the only thing... So there's two things about Rotten Tomatoes. So when oh. I look at Rotten Tomatoes... <laughs> Sorry about uh, that. Hold on. Uh, jump in the time machine for a second. All right. Let me... Should I, answer, should I answer the phone live on your podcast? I think you need to tell them, right? <laughs> it's not See, live. I'm, it's I'm not live. So the thing about um, Rotten Tomatoes is that when I look at it, 
I only look at uh, regular users' reviews. I don't look at the critics. Okay. The critics are usually wrong, but the regular reviewers are usually right. Yeah, but don't they aggregate that all into one score? Yeah, but it's the same people who are picking the Oscars. And you, they do have them separated. They, they do say, critics say go or don't go, and, you know, regular people say go or don't go or whatever. So they, they have them separated as well. Oh, yeah, so they have the tomato meter, which is the percentage of approved tomato meter critics have given this movie whatever review. And then there's audience, the percentage of Rotten Tomato users who have rated this movie. So right. in Silver Linings Playbook, they both gave it a 91, mm. which uh, on Rotten Tomatoes is a very high score. Um, yeah. Lincoln got a 91. Zero Dark Thirty got a 93. Django, 89. Les Mis, 70. Uh, I'm really happy to see that The Hobbit is not on this list. You didn't like... Um... No, I didn't see it. I'm not going to go see it. It's three hours long. You're not a Lord of the Rings fan? No, not really. I, I've never seen Star Wars. I, I don't even know if I've seen all of the Lord of the Rings. I'm not into those types of movies. So do you know what the best rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes ever was? I've seen it before. I, for, I forget what it is. What's going on? Someone, someone's gotten some crazy feedback. Not Nothing? Me. No, it was probably Ray. No, no. Yeah, I, I'm sure it was. Um, uh, the top movies. Uh, there was uh, Toy Story 2. Yes. Yeah, I, I Googled it. I was stalling there for a second. Of course you did. Uh, I was stalling. <laughs> yeah. But the best movie in 2012 was apparently called The Invisible War. Uh, it was just one of the 100% movies. Okay, so fine. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven 100% movies. I have not heard of a single one of them. You don't get out enough, though. What? You don't get out that much, though. You've heard of those movies? I've heard of everything. All right. Uh, now, no, I, haven't, I haven't heard any of them. But I did hear of the 99% ones. Sure. Finding Nemo 3D. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that Jiro or Hero Dreams of Sushi. Have That's you seen that? Movie. That's a great movie. Why is that a great movie? Everyone says it's a great movie, and I saw the trailer, and I was like, there's no way I can watch this. So, so it's a movie that it probably has nothing to do with your life. But watching how passionate this guy is about sushi will make you passionate about whatever it is that you do in life. You know, it's kind of like watching one of the great Silicon Valley people like, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, how passionate he was about technology. It makes you passionate about whatever you are already passionate about. That's why. You were good on the 15 seconds there that time. You said just just, well, I mean, hold on, you blew it. But (laughs) you said it has nothing to do with your life. But watching it, watching him be so passionate about sushi will make you passionate about whatever you're doing in your life. Yeah. Period. The end. And you can put that on a poster. <laughs> <laughs> but you kept going. <laughs> Fifteen seconds isn't your thing, I guess. Hey, this guy. This guy has a restaurant that you have to reserve three months in advance to get into. It costs two hundred dollars per plate. There's only ten seats, and when you go in there, you can't make any special orders. You have to eat whatever he gives you. It's this hero guy or Jiro? How do you say it? Jiro. Jiro. So that's, that's his restaurant? He's still alive? Yeah. He, him and his son are around the restaurant. Oh, and yeah. Isn't that the whole idea is like passing of the torch or whatever? Yeah. Huh. All right. Maybe I'll have to check it out. But it's in subtitles, right? No, you got to speak Japanese. Oh, great. Uh, do you have a, a website for that for me? Yeah, I speak Japanese. That's the only thing I did. No, it's <laughs> subtitle. It's subtitle. I don't know if I can handle that. 
Do they? Can you dub it for me and send it to me? For <laughs> <laughs> sure. Ray, you can play the sun. So- sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. If they ever make a movie about uh, eating giant cheeseburgers, uh, I'm in. Yeah, so, Ray yeah. has a, a passion to uh, complete a man versus food type challenge. I don't know I don't that know. that'll ever happen, Ray. Uh, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Where is Where that? Is, place is nearby, right? It's, uh, it's called the Clinton Station Diner. Uh, the Clinton Station Diner is in probably Clinton, New Jersey. I would uh, think if, so. If, if I had to guess. Um, they have uh, a burger that is, I believe, 100 pounds of meat. That doesn't even count the, bur- the toppings, the bun, all that good stuff. Uh, if you and three or four friends finish it in a given amount of time, you know, you get the... Uh, you get the T-shirt, you get the plaque, you get the free meal, all that good stuff. Um, uh, Baron, if you're ever in New York, I think the three of us should give it a shot. Well, I remember you bringing this up at work. And yeah. I remember saying at that time, because there was like four of you, I think it was Zach and a couple other people. And I remember saying at that time that four people would not be enough to eat that. It wouldn't be. You would need at least 20 people. Well, hold on. So it's not 100 pounds. As, as soon as you said that, I had to check because 100 think, pounds is just ridiculous. I think it's 10 pounds. It's 50. 50. Well, okay, 100 pounds, 100 pounds total, you know, with the meat, with the toppings, I think, maybe. Right, right. It so, says, uh, you get, you get, I'm getting I'm some getting, echo from someone here. That's, that's yours, I think. Oh, hopefully I'm not picking it up. Um, it says, finish it in three hours with the help of four friends, and it's free. Does uh, Lindsay like um, cheeseburgers? Lindsay, do you want to try to eat a 50 pound cheeseburger? Could you hear him through my headphones? <laughs> do you want to try to do that? Lindsay said she's in. She's afraid to speak. All right. Well, next, next, time she's Baron, John, next time Baron John's in New York, or, or Baron, as we call him, uh, yeah. I think we should take a trip. But hold on. We let, get one more person. Let me explain, let me explain something to you guys. So this let me is put this friends. in perspective. So let's just say it's 50 pounds. Yeah. Right? Okay. I worked at McDonald's for a very long time. And um, think about a quarter pounder. A quarter pounder sandwich. Yeah, it's, two, it's 200 of people, those. What'd you say? It's 200 of those. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. even if you have five people, you know, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Is it physically impossible? Does the stomach not have that much room for that much food? I mean, how does this, uh, this, this guy every July 4th eat, you know, 100 hot dogs? Yeah, well, how about Adam Richman? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he eats all that crazy stuff. I mean, it must be possible. Someone must have done it. Yeah, but they don't do it overnight. They don't do it the first time. Well, Could... nobody's going to try that twice. <laughs> I, think that's think... The point of the, I think that's the point of the whole gimmick. Do you think we can eat half of it? Oh, you're right, Ray. It's 105 pounds, all said yeah. and done. Yeah. Do, you think I... we, do you think we can eat half? I don't think so. I mean, wow. I, I don't know. Apparently, it was on some TV show on Food Network. Yeah, outrageous food. Uh, listen, on Yelp, the diner only gets three stars. Well, I only get two stars on Yelp, so that's all right. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, they actually have, so if we can't handle Mount Olympus, they have a Zeus. And Mount Olympus being the astonishing 50-pound burger. They have Zeus, which is a seven-pound burger. And if you finish it in three hours by yourself or... An hour and a half with a friend, it's free. Uh, listen, if we do this, we, we go all out. 
I guess. But then they go down to the Atlas, which is three pounds. You get two hours by yourself or 45 minutes with a friend. That's easy. 45 minutes with another person to eat a three-pound burger? Yeah. That's easy. I don't know. I, I tell you, Ray, you know, you know, Ray, I've known you for a long time, and I will follow you until the end of the street, but I won't eat that mountain. <laughs> That's the end of the street, though. Exactly. <laughs> Can you eat the lettuce and tomato on the burger? And Paul and I yeah, and make a salad. eat everything else? No, hold on. Now, stop just including Paul, Baron, and Lindsay. We get four friends. We've got to find some sort of competitive eater to join us. We've got to get Adam Richman. Who's Adam Richman? He's the man versus food guy. Oh. Yeah. Man Maybe, maybe if anyone, any of your listeners are, are competitive eaters, they can, uh, they can uh, tweet at you and uh, yes. give us some tips. Yeah, it's, it's a 54-minute drive from here, which is a oh. problem since I don't have a car, but that's okay. We'll, uh, do, that, we'll do that right before the uh, 24-hour movie marathon. Oh, good idea. That's a great idea, actually, because I'm sure that that's healthy to eat 50 pounds of beef and then not go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, I think if you eat 50 pounds of beef, you have no choice but to go to sleep. Yeah. I don't really think that there's any activity that can follow it besides falling asleep and having a heart attack. <laughs> Those are the only two choices there. Um, well, I think that's all I got, unless you guys got anything else. No, I think we're, we're over an hour now, aren't we? We're at uh, mm-hmm. 56 minutes uh, recorded. I, well, I was going to tell you earlier, Paul, and I forgot to slip this in. Uh, when you made the comment about the person being overweight, the female... Yeah. Uh, statistically, more females are overweight than men, so I think you were right on point with that. So I was just playing the stats. Exactly. Uh, got it. Thanks. I just wanted to clear that up for any woman that was listening. He wasn't. Being that was offended. Person. Yeah. I was just being uh, statistically exactly. accurate. Exactly. Yeah. Um, thank you for being the fact checker on, uh, on that for me. I appreciate that. Uh, well, that was fun. Uh, we'll have to do this again. Uh, that concludes the very first episode of the Not That Paul D show that was not just me rambling or ranting for anywhere between 25 and 45 minutes. So uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, Again, final plugs, uh, Zero to Fluent in 90days.com. Baron, uh, Ray, do you have anything to plug? Uh, Nope, nothing to plug. Nothing to plug here. Just the Clinton Station Diner. Yeah. (laughs) I think next time time we, uh, we get together, we'll have to talk about the time that you uh, threw a dart at a world map to decide where you would be traveling that evening. Well, it was a virtual dart, and yeah, well, uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll leave it as a tease. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. It's the Not That Poly D Show. Thank you very much. And uh, yes, this is where – wait, we should hit record uh, to end it. I guess it doesn't really matter, right? No, but, because I stopped in the middle. Oh, perfect. I never started. <laughs> Good. All right. I'm going to uh, stop So we have to do now. this again? Yeah, we got to start over now. What what song is uh, playing us out? I don't know. What song do you want to play us out? Uh, a, I don't know. That's a, that's a good choice. What's a good choice? <laughs> no, um, call me maybe. All right, we'll, we'll we'll go out with call me maybe. That I way, just, Carly Rae Jepsen can sue me for whatever I'm doing. I can't believe you know the name of the artist. Of that's course, I know the name of the artist. I don't. You you knew the name of the song, but you didn't know the artist. I think she's from like. Well, I'm not going to say that because I don't know where she's from. She's from Canada. Don't and, worry. Uh, There's not enough people listening for it to be slanderous. Don't worry. Uh, she's from Canada. And okay. uh, she was actually found by uh, this guy, Justin Bieber, and his uh, posse. You really? say just You say this guy, Justin Bieber, like he's like no one. Oh, you know, this guy, such and such. Justin Bieber is huge. 
Do you know who found Justin Bieber? Um, it's YouTube. Yeah, but who found him? Uh, I think I remember this. Hold on, don't tell me. Well, because uh, you're gonna it Google Justin it. Justin Timberlake or Usher? Or something? It was Usher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Usher. Yeah. So maybe yeah. I'll take us out with either Carly Rae Jepsen or Justin Bieber or Usher. Did you know that Justin Bieber has a swag coach? I did not. Is it Paulie D? <laughs> no. <laughs> Definitely maybe, not. maybe I can get in on that. Maybe there's a not that Justin Bieber somewhere out there. Yeah, and I can be his swag coach. I'm getting that Facebook page right now. What's that? Not, not, not that, that Justin, Justin Bieber. Bieber. Perfect. <laughs> so this has been the Not That Paul D Show with Baron and Not That Justin Bieber. Uh, that's it. That's all we got. And I don't know what song we're going to be taking us out with. So we'll see. You wish you know